Aliens Among Us, Bugs from the Far East, on this episode of Enviropod. Welcome to Fairfax County's Enviropod, where we discuss any topic having to do with the environment and how the county's Department of Public Works and Environmental Services supports the county's environment and infrastructure in so many ways. I'm Scott Coco. Fairfax County strives to enhance the quality of life in our community by ensuring the vitality of the urban forest and preserving the natural environment. Compatibility between the developed and natural communities is promoted through science, education, shared knowledge, and strong partnerships. The Urban Forest Management Division is the primary county agency responsible for managing trees and forests in Fairfax County. Today I have with me Joanne Allen, an urban forester and chief of the Forest Pest Management Division of DPWES. So just to start off, please tell me what does an urban forester do and how did you get into this line of work? That's an excellent question. I've had to explain that to my mom for several years now. (laughs) Um, So what is an urban forester? So you can think of us kind of like the Lorax. We speak for the trees. We speak for the trees in Fairfax County. Um, We have, we're very blessed with abundant uh, tree canopy here. Over 50% of the county is covered in tree canopy. And so essentially what we do as a as a department or as a division is trying to preserve what's left of the canopy and also promoting planting and stewardship amongst uh, the folks here in Fairfax County. And what does that involve? So that, that, that that's interesting. So um, there's a, a group of urban foresters that work within our division that that coordinate heavily with the development community, and they uh, enforce what's called the Tree Preservation Ordinance, in which it's a a set of rules that help guide how many trees are left on a development site, how many trees need to be planted, and what sorts of uh, things need need to be done on a site to help preserve the trees that are there. Um, and so that's that's just one one segment. Uh, there's another set segment of folks that um, promote tree planting in the community and help promote other policies within the county to promote trees within the county. Um, we also have urban foresters that, that help manage for invasive forest pests within the county, which is primarily what I do. And so what that involves is the management and monitoring of pests that are already known to be here, like gypsy moth or emerald ash borer, or monitoring for things that aren't known to be here, but could be here, and if we were to catch those things early, then it would be much easier to manage rather than not discovering it until years later and then it becoming a disaster. How long has the county employed um, urban foresters? Well, long before I was hired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I know in the 70s the, 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 there was the arborist office, and so what they primarily did was um, managing development sites to try to preserve trees within the county. And then later in the 80s, uh, there was a epidemic of gypsy moth infestation all around the county. And anyone that was here during that time is well aware of all the efforts that, that, that were taking place with that. And from that was kind of how the, the forest pest office was, was, was started. And so since then, since Gypsy Moth uh, arrived, we've also helped manage various other forest pests that pose a, a serious threat to our urban forest. And so that's kind of the, the history behind our office. And so how did, how did I become an urban forester? Um, I kind of just fell into it. 
I was a uh, desperately underpaid employee of the Park Authority, and I just was trying to find anything within the environmental field, and I was fortunate enough to find an opening within my office, and I've really enjoyed my time while I've been in the Urban Forest Management Division. And into bugs. Yes. Okay. And anything else that also involved in, into spider webs and, and crawling around poison ivy or anything like that. Oh, fun. Because I, I can't stand the uh, the camel crickets. Those those really creep me out. That's about the only thing. You and lots of other people. <laughs> You're not alone. Those things are just, uh, we got we, to we get rid of those. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Okay. So let's talk about why you are here today. Um, the And these are not our lightning bugs. These are not our fireflies. No, certainly these not. These are what? What are we talking about today? So, yeah, for, first of all, thank you for having me here today to, t- to talk about spotted lanternfly. It's, uh, it's a new invasive pest that's very new to the United States. It's a native to China, and it's a, a – unfortunately, I don't, ha- I don't have a visual for the audience here, but it's, it's a plant hopper. It's a very charismatic, very colorful pest. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful um, – looks like a moth almost. Uh, yeah, it, it can be mistaken for a moth. It's considered a plant hopper. Um, and it's uh, different life stages. It hops very well, and as I've seen in some of the places that that are infested with uh, spotted lanternfly, it's a it's a great hopper, and it's a uh, what it is. It's a phloem feeder. So what it does is it it inserts its mouth parts into the stems or the trunk of a tree um, of various types of plants, and it feeds off of off of the fluid found within those stems, and it is it can it can be a serious serious problem um unfortunately um what it's known about this pest is that it's a serious agricultural problem so things that are highly regarded in in the agricultural field like grapes hops or various other crops uh, grapes and hops all you alcohol <laughs> Folks out there, that yes, <laughs> that or, should be alarming. Yes, but or um, or, or, or or orchards as well. So apple trees, peaches, those 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 other um, crops are highly susceptible to the spotted lanternfly. Sure, and and during some of my research into this, uh, I know Pennsylvania is highly concerned um, because they uh, they affect a lot of the hardwoods. Uh, out there, and Pennsylvania being a very large hardwood exporter, um, uh, it really affects that. But certainly the way it would affect uh, Virginia and Fairfax County are, are some of the um, the agricultural um, issues that you just brought up also. Yeah, th- not a lot is known about this pest. It was just recently found in 2014 in Pennsylvania. That's where it, it, That's where it was first found. And because it's so new to the area, we're we're still unsure the exact ramifications of the exact effects this this pest will have. It the the known is the agricultural, the unknown is how it's going to affect our hardwoods, our forests, our um, the, our gardens and and people's homes. We're we're not entirely too sure. We know it will definitely be a nuisance, and it'll definitely be something unwanted in people's yards. But the exact effect that it will have within within places like residential areas like Fairfax County is still largely unknown. 
So um, what is the word you're trying to get out about this pest to let folks um, uh, around the community understand what the issue is? So currently, um, it's the, this pest is known to, to be occurring in Pennsylvania, and it has recently been found in, in Virginia. So in 2018, it was found in Winchester. And as a reaction to that, the Virginia Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services has set a quarantine around Frederick County and the city of Winchester to try to prevent the spread of this insect. Um, it spreads really easily. It can hitchhike on people's cars. It can be found on plant material, on construction material, on shipping material. Um, it can easily be transported. So I guess the message what I want to send out to the audience today is to be on the lookout for this pest. Um, and if you see any sort of signs of spotted lanternfly, to please contact the Fairfax County, um, whether it be through our phone number at 703-324-1770, or you can contact us on pestmail at fairfaxcounty.gov. Um, the, the sooner we find this pest, if it ever does arrive in Fairfax County, the easier it would be for my office to try to manage this pest, to try to reduce the impact of this pest, and also spread the message to the public of what this is and what should they expect to see if they were impacted by it. Now, you brought up um, what I thought was interesting, one of the, the sites that, um, that, that we were looking at was about firewood um, coming in. And you mentioned a quarantine, and I know a lot of people get firewood from outside of the county. They get folks coming in on trucks or they order it and that wood is cut and processed and aged outside of the county often. And so is that something that is part of the quarantine and what folks should be looking for? Yeah, so the quarantine covers a lot of different things. So there's actually, there's quarantines and set in lots of different places. New York State has its own quarantine. Pennsylvania has its own quarantine. Several different states have their own quarantine and try to prevent the spread of this pest from basically preventing it from being a, a, a bigger issue than it already is. Um, the, the quarantine that Virginia has covers several different things. Let me just look at my notes here. So it covers any sort of plant material or trees leaving the Frederick uh, County area, um, industrial or construction equipment and materials. So those would think, be things like cinder blocks or stone or um, shipping containers like crates, um, out, outdoor uh, equipment like RVs, tractors, mowers, tile, uh, deck boards, basically anything that can be put on a truck and moved out of Frederick County, that's what the quarantine covers. And wow. so, it, yeah, it's very extensive, and it's, I, I don't envy the, the business owners in, that have any sort of business in Frederick County, but it's that's how serious this pest is, is if it were to leave that area it could pose a, a big economical impact on several several businesses and, and 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 individuals within the state wow that that's really interesting and so what should folks be looking for what what does uh, let's try to visually describe this beast <laughs> good question so, um, so this in, so this pest has several different life stages. So um, we can start with uh, the eggs. So the female spotted lanternfly lays something what they call uh, egg masses, which is basically a group of eggs 
and that is in one small spot. So the way the way the egg masses appear, it's about 30 to 50 eggs in, in one egg mass. And it's if you were to look at a picture, it's very interesting. It's laid in rows. And so like maybe you're like a row of 10 eggs. And so you may have like three or four rows of eggs. And then she um, covers the eggs in a kind of a grayish waxy material. And so it almost kind of looks like a wet patch of mud when the eggs are first freshly laid. Right. And so that's something that people can be on the lookout for. But I can be perfectly honest. I went to look at egg masses in the Winchester area, and I, and it took me a long time to even be able to, to spot something like that. Yeah, because the they photos don't... certainly weren't clear of what, uh, what it looks like. No. And what's interesting is that they really don't uh, discriminate on where they lay their eggs. They really hmm. like uh, rough uh, rough surfaces. So they'll lay those eggs on underneath tree branches. They'll lay them on uh, bar- uh, metal barrels. They'll lay them on concrete. They'll you lay them on bricks. cinder block and yes. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And they particularly like laying them in, on surfaces that are about the same color as the egg masses. Right. So that makes it particularly difficult to try to spot them. Huh. And so that's, that's, one, that's one thing people can be on the lookout for. Currently, um, the life stage that's actively living right now are the nymphs. So the nymphs hatch from eggs sometime between late April and can be out through the summer, through maybe the the end of July. And so when they first um, hatch from the eggs, they're they're small, they're black with, with white spots. And as they develop into different instars, and they have four instars in the nymph stage, they become red with black and white spots. Mm-hmm. And so they're very distinctive looking. They're still pretty small. Um, they're maybe, you know, at the largest half an inch long. But um, the the one interesting characteristic about the, about the nymphs is their ability to hop. They're really okay. good hoppers. Wow. Yeah. And so... Um, that's that's one thing, and then the most distinctive life stage almost looked like little strawberries with a with uh, with, with legs with legs, right? <laughs> little. Um, go ahead, uh, you can go onto the um, onto the web just on the images on the lanternfly, and you can see what 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 these little critters look like, um, and uh, they're they're quite striking. Yes, yeah, that's it. That, I think that's a good way of describing it. They're very showy. It's a very showy insect, right. and it doesn't really look like anything else. They're very distinctive, no. unique-looking yeah. insects. And so um, around July, August is when you start seeing the adult spotted lanternflies, which you mentioned kind of look like moths. Mm-hmm. So they have, you know, they, they, they have wings. They have uh, on one set of wings, it's about, it's a grayish-brownish color with black spots on them. And on the bottom wings, you have red and black and, and a grayish color with 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 uh with black spots in their abdomen or like the the middle part of the insect is uh black with sorry yellow with uh with black black, black stripes banding, right yeah black banding very good so yeah um th- those are some of the things that people can can look for to see if maybe there may be uh spotted lanternfly in, in the area. Now, when you would see them, would you see them as individuals or see them in masses? You know, um, I know some of the, in some of the areas where they would see an infestation, if you will, there looked like there would be a whole lot of them on one branch or one tree. So in, in the area where it was first discovered in Winchester, it was, it was it's definitely a large group of, of individual insects in one place. 
but that doesn't mean that a person, a, an ordinary person, wouldn't just see one spotted lanternfly okay. just by itself. But yes, in areas where it has been first discovered, it's definitely like just an explosion of, of insects. Now, certainly in Winchester, Warrington, that affects apple crops. There's lots of orchards out there, a lot of other agriculture going on. You mentioned grapes, all the wonderful wines coming out, and the ciders for us folks in the fall that like uh, the fresh apple cider. But, you know, certainly that damages um, business, and it damages um, uh, local farmers and local fruit that come in also. Yes. Um, So... What is Winchester doing? What is Pennsylvania doing? Uh, certainly Fairfax County, we're letting folks know that this is an issue. Um, what do those other jurisdictions where it's a concern, what are they doing to uh, battle the pest? Well, certainly Pennsylvania has been a great example of how to respond to this to this pest. And um, they're certainly facing the full brunt of the effects currently now. Um, basically, um, other jurisdictions and, and other government agencies, they're just trying to spread the word of what this is and what is the threat. Um, one of our concerns within within our office is that there are some unscrupulous businesses that may take advantage of this pest mm-hmm. and use it as an opportunity to try to gain business by maybe disseminating false information about what this threat is and if they have this if it occurs in their area. Interesting. And so what one of our concerns is, is that A, making sure people know what this is and what the current status is, and B, making people understand what can they do about it and maybe preventing some of those folks that may want to take advantage of the situation from not maybe uh, doing things like uh, gaining business by spraying insecticides or doing other treatments that really aren't isn't going to do anything for this pest hmm. and taking advantage of folks. Uh, and certainly folks over the summer that may be getting uh, landscaping services, uh, maybe having contract work done on their homes, uh, not knowing necessarily where the materials or the equipment or the businesses are coming from, certainly if they're aware, if they're coming from west, northwest of here, that that could be uh, something to look out for and ask also. Yeah. And, you know, one of the really big concerns about this pest is that it has a really wide host range, meaning that it can affect things like agricultural crops, like what we mentioned, hops and grapes and and, uh, different types of fruit trees. But it could also affect many other types of trees and even uh, an invasive uh, tree called Tree of Heaven. So, it the the number of things that this plant this sorry this pest can feed on is very wide ranging so it's uh something that could really just take over an area and it doesn't need a specific plant it can go after after a variety of things and be happy and perfectly fine and and tell me what are some other pests out there that we're keeping an eye on well the that's one thing i i have i have uh I'm fortunate with is job security when it comes to invasive species. There's always something, and what we currently have keeps, certainly keeps us busy. Um, um, something that we're we're actively managing now, and we uh, tried our best to to inform the public about is emerald ash borer. It's an invasive pest that uh, solely, well, basically solely affects um, ash trees, which is a 
pretty common tree within the county and especially was commonly planted in many of the of the of the subdivisions around and it's it's a valuable tree so we know we we try our best to um, manage the trees on county property and also inform the public and homeowners about ways that they can manage ash trees on on, on theirs yeah i know i know last year we did a big campaign uh with channel 16 uh um on that on that pest um is there any other information about um any uh invasive plant species is that something you also work with that's something that we commonly come across, but that's not some. Uh, unfortunately, it's not something that we manage in our office. But we certainly do um, spread the word about if people were to plant anything on their property to, to try to stick with with native or non or non invasive uh, uh, plants, just just so that it doesn't take over their own yard and doesn't escape into other people's property or into natural areas and displace. Uh, a lot of our other uh, our native species. Um, there are there are other pests that we're on the lookout for. Um, so one would be the Asian longhorn beetle. That's a. I wish I had a picture of it. It would blow your mind. Um, <laughs> it's a I large. Think I, I think I saw some <laughs> during some of the research on some of the other pests in the area. So um, it's it's a large beetle. It's about you know an inch and a half long. Um, it its preferred host is maple which is a very commonly right, planted right, tree here absolutely. in the county. Um, you can't really go anywhere without coming across a, a maple tree. And it's it's a huge concern ecologically, but also economically, because up in the northwest and in Canada, there's a large sugar maple, maple um, industry. And so if that pest were to go over there, that could heavily impact the, the maple syrup industry. Huh. But... But certainly, that that's one that we're always on the lookout for as well. Years ago, my dad used to have Japanese beetle traps, and um, there are all kind, you know. And and I've heard that uh, the fireflies we had were not a native species here. At what point does something get introduced into the ecosystem, and then it's determined whether it's a pest or not? That's a, that's an excellent question. Um, I I think there are many factors that influence what is considered invasive, what's considered something that is should be, action should be taken on. I think economic impacts are one of the primary drivers. We have many invasive pests that threaten our forests, but it, it, it usually, the, the things that usually get the most funding and the most attention are those things that have a great economic impact, whether that means uh, the removal of thousands or even millions of trees or if it poses an economic impact in terms of the, uh, you know, timbering industry or um, agricultural industry. So I guess it's... Interesting. Yes. Um, okay. But yeah, they're, they're, you, you can spend all, an entire lifetime learning about invasive, invasive species and either it'll break you or, <laughs> <laughs> or you'll come away with a lot of lessons that, you know, people, people should, should learn about, you know, how not to spread these things around. Right, because right. Um, ultimately, people are our own worst enemy when it comes to invasive species. We're, we're the primary uh, transporters of invasive species all around the world. Snakeheads, the, the, the lionfish and the coral reefs. Yes. Certainly Florida with... Um, 
the Burmese python. Right, pythons and everything. You know. Yeah, well, yeah. This is going to make a great pet, and then it, it becomes gigantic. And yeah, and you know, know some of those introductions are, you know, they're not they're not intentional. They just kind of hitchhike onto right. a, a crate or some sort of shipping container, or they're things that are planted on purpose or brought on purpose and have disastrous uh, unintended consequences. Bamboo. Oh, yes. Don't get me started. <laughs> okay. So um, so what pests is Fairfax County sending over to Asia in, you know, in trade? Yeah. So that that's a, that's a good question. So because um, I do a lot of educational programs and, you know, kids are like, you know, why, why do we have to get all these things? You know, why, why doesn't China, why doesn't, why don't other parts of the world get invasives? And they do. They, they, this is, you know, this is an, this is an equal opportunity um, problem. Camel crickets. Send them the camel crickets. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so um, one thing that I don't think is well known is um, in England, the gray squirrel is a huge invasive species. Oh, so wow. they have their own native red squirrel in England that's, that's small, that's adorable, and our big fat American gray squirrel <laughs> are displacing a lot of the, the native red squirrels in, over in England. Interesting. Um, the bullfrog in parts of Asia and in China, they're displacing some of the, some of the native uh, frogs there. Um, there's a beautiful plant that we have here called goldenrod. That's another right. uh, issue that's, um, that's also occurring in Asia. So um, we do receive a lot of uh, pests, a lot of animals and plants that we, we don't. But we send them to. But yes. Okay. Equal yeah. opportunity. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, Joanne, tell me, um, as we near the end here, um, what do you finally, let's repeat what we finally want to tell people about um, both your office, where people get more information, uh, where to contact you, and about this pest one more time. Oh, that's a lot. It is. <laughs> that's a tall order. And go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, let's remind people, the spotted lanternfly, why is it an issue? So the spotted lanternfly is certainly a, a huge economic problem for for agriculture and it's and it can also pose a, a really serious threat for um, people in residential areas it's certainly a nuisance and can stress out trees by their feeding activity and really you know our our urban our urban environment is already very stressed we already have a lot of factors that don't help out our trees like you know the urban heat island effect salt that's put on the roads, uh, soil compaction, people building houses on top of roots and, and all that. So one more thing like the spotted lanternfly certainly doesn't help out our, our, our uh, very valuable trees here here in the county. If people happen to see anything that they suspect may look like spotted lanternfly, we encourage them to contact our office and let us know what it is. You know, they can either take a picture, capture it in some sort of container, email us, call us, Bring it into our office. We'll 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 be happy to listen to anyone that has any sort of concern. Um, one other thing that I had, didn't mention before is that so one one tree that this pest really does um, it has a heavy preference for is a tree called Tree of Heaven. Uh, tree of Heaven is native to China, so it's they're both the pest and this tree 
are both native to the same area. Okay. Um, Tree of Heaven was introduced in the 18th century on purpose to the United States. And um, it just so happens that they have a very strong preference for it. So one of the things that our office is doing is keep an eye out for spotted lanternfly is first informing the public and receiving any concerns or any sightings the public may have of this pest, but also taking an active part in monitoring for the pest, putting out uh, monitoring bands around trees to see, is it within the county? Trying to catch it early before it becomes a huge problem. So one of the things that we need the help from the public is spotting the tree of heaven. And very interesting. So if, if you happen to see tree of heaven in your neighborhood, in your yard, in a local park, please contact us to let us know so that we can then use that tree as a monitoring method to try to find this pest. Where else can they get more information about this? So Let's direct them. Oh, so um, currently the, the best place to find the most up-to-date information about spotted lanternfly is through Virginia Cooperative Extension Service. Um, they're a land-grant agency that's based out of Virginia Tech, and they have researchers, they have entomologists, they have professionals that are continuously looking into this pest and the latest management options and, and really the latest information of what threat this pest is to, to us. So um, I would encourage anyone to, interested in, in more information about spotted lanternfly to please uh, look through the Virginia Cooperative Extension Service websites. Okay, so you can get information at fairfaxcounty.gov. You can go to the um, DPWES site um, and, you know, look up the spotted lanternfly. You can get lots of pictures on all the stages of the life cycle of the lanternfly. Um, And if you see them, take a picture Get in contact. Um, Again, that's 703-324-1770. And an urban forester will be waiting for your call. (laughs) Uh, You can also take pictures. You can gather a sample, and they will help you determine if this is one of these pests that they are looking for. Again, not fireflies, not lightning bugs, um, but they are looking for the spotter. Or cicadas. Or cicadas. We'll have to do another episode here when the 17-year-old is 2021. They're coming back. And the buzz, that, <laughs> that, that sound that just echoes for the whole summer. So um, I'm excited for that. That's always exciting when they come out. So, um, so Joanne, thank you very much for joining us. This is really, really interesting, um, thank which you. is thank why we do this me. podcast. There's so many aspects of the environment that, we're, that we are looking for. And I guess you were talking about having job security being an urban forester with this area it changes so much and you guys pay so much attention to the environment and what's going on here so we certainly thank you for joining us and uh, we will see you next time thank you for joining us today on EnviroPod if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions uh, please email the show at swpdmail at fairfaxcounty.gov And you can hear this podcast at facebook.com, Fairfax County slash environment. Uh, You can also hear it on the Public Works homepage at fairfaxcounty.gov and also fairfaxcounty.gov slash podcast where all of the county's podcasts live. You can also search EnviroPod and or subscribe on SoundCloud.